Welcome to the EMT Pro Podcast, where we deliver relevant EMS content from the field and the classroom each week. Episodes of this podcast can get you one full hour of CE through our partner, emt-ce.com, so head over there for more information. Guys, we have a freaking awesome episode planned today. I'm really excited. So it's going to be a good one. Dan, Holly, say hi, and I think we need to get going. This is going to be fun. Yes, sir. It is. We've already been laughing yes, in preparation have. for yes. our topic on humor. Yes. Um, so, Holly, I think you should introduce who we're going to be talking to, and then we'll obviously let him do his own introduction, but who's our special guest on today's episode? Our special guest today is Dr. Ed Rock, and we're pretty God, excited a, to... Ed Rock? That's his, his name? Yeah. yeah. Are you serious? You, I didn't know his last name was Rock. Yeah. I mean, we just, I guess kind we just kind of know him by Ed. Yeah. yeah. I just know him by Ed. That's a good um, name. Yeah. Anyway, he's got an extensive resume. Super exciting to talk to him. Um, I guess we could talk to him about pretty much any topic in EMS, but today we chose humor because I think that's something that we all need in yeah. our careers and 100%. we all have this gallows humor and sometimes I feel guilty about it. So right. we're going to talk to, Put talk to Ed babies. and. <laughs> see what he has to say. Yep. Perfect. Should we call him up? Yes. All right. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I've never even talked to this guy and I love him already. Good morning. Good morning. Ed. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Awesome. I'm Steve. I'm, I'm the host and we've got Dan and Holly uh, co-hosts in the room. How are you doing, man? Excellent. Steve, Dan, Holly, good morning. Good, good morning, morning, sir. Good to meet you. Happy Sunday. Yeah, yeah nice happy to meet you guys. Hey, so we're excited to talk to you. We're, I mean, we're recording now, so. I, That's your we first just, problem. Yeah. I think. Get over that. <laughs> we've, we've, issue. we've got, um, we've got some fun stuff to ask you and we just want to kind of pick your brain. But first we were kind of hoping you could give us a little bit of your, uh, background, how you got involved in EMS, and then kind of what you're doing now, and how you became the guy that Holly wanted to talk to about humor in EMS. So I'll start with the uh, thanks for the question. I'll start with the last part of the question first. Yeah, Holly has a huge list of people she goes through to be on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, there's seven thousand two hundred and forty-six. The uh, the grocer in her community that normally does a Sunday podcast on. <laughs> you know, savings in the meat area and some of the vegetable specials wasn't available. So, you know, I'm right after him. So thank you, Holly, for pulling me in. Man, I appreciate awesome. that. <laughs> um, no, so I'm um, born at a very young age. Uh, I uh, uh, actually had um, a wonderful stepfather who, um, when I was in high school, got me a job um, cleaning anesthesia equipment in the local hospital. I needed cash. That was a great job. Better than um, working at the snack bar there until I cleaned the first piece of anesthesia tubing and realized that people coughed into those things. So I learned a lot about infectious diseases before I even knew infectious diseases occurred. Long story short, got me interested in medicine. I uh, went up to Emory in Atlanta and and filled out one of those little index cards, drew a picture of a little donkey that apparently worked, and and they accepted me into medical school. And then when I finished my residency in Virginia, my uh, another wonderful mentor in my life asked if I would stay on in the emergency department, did, and the local EMS 
entity there. I was a new guy in the emergency department in the local uh, Henrico Volunteer Rescue Squad, a wonderful EMS agency in Richmond, Virginia, needed a new medical director. And my department chair said, hey, Rock, you're the new guy. Why don't you be the medical director? And <laughs> I said, up. hey, you know, nice. yeah, you're up. I'll pass. Thanks for I appreciate you. I appreciate <laughs> you looking out for me. But no. And he said, look, all you got to do is sign a piece of paper for the state once a year. I said, okay, so not so bad. And uh, still didn't want to do it. And he said, uh, he said something to the effect of, you know, Rock, this is really good for the rescue squad. And I said, Al, I'm sure, I'm sure it is. And I appreciate you asking me, but no, I'll pass. He said, it's really good for the hospital too. I mean, the hospital likes those relationships and it's healthy. And I said, yeah, I appreciate that. I'll pass. He said, you know, it's really good for you too, if you get what I mean. And I said, Al, I'd love to do this. I would love to do it. <laughs> so all kidding ask. aside, yeah, thought you'd never ask. Um, but all kidding aside, a uh, wonderful group of EMTs and medics in Henrico Volunteer Rescue Squad. They taught me a lot. They um, weren't shy in putting me in the front right seat and laughing at me when I asked what scene safety was because, by God, if someone's been stabbed in the abdomen, you know what, they're bleeding, and I can give you the pathophysiology, and I can tell you that, you know, they're going to get into irreversible shock, and if they go, you're never going to be able to resuscitate them, and they would just look at me and say, Doc, why don't we just leave you here? I'll bring a second ambulance in for you, and we'll take care of the patient when the scene is, is secure. So they taught me the art, a lot of the art of EMS, which is so important, and sometimes the science is the easy part, and the art is hard, so... Um, loved EMS, grew to love it. Um, it grabbed me in its arms over many years and practiced in Virginia and uh, took a full-time job in uh, Austin as EMS medical director. So my practice converted to 100% field medicine. Loved that and took a little uh, journey up to a healthcare system back in Atlanta. And then uh, AMR at the time, now GMR, uh, asked me what I was going to do when I grew up and they were kind enough to ask me to be their first uh, chief medical officer. So and join them. It's been an absolute blast. And, uh, you know, it's uh, like I said before, sometimes the art is a lot more fun than the science. Uh, reference the, the current COVID challenge. The art of delivery of whatever we're doing to make it better is much more challenging sometimes than the science. I love Other that because sometimes we feel like as the EMS providers, we're bringing someone in and just being judged. Like, mm-hmm. oh, why didn't you start 100%. an IV? Or, oh, you took you twice to intubate. Exactly. Um, so it's exactly. fun to hear about. That's a great way to put it, the art of EMS. Mm-hmm. And So, Holly, you, you're so right. I mean, the number of – when I actually flipped and started spending time on the ambulances, and I would hop into the back and come into the emergency department with some Charlie Foxtrot on the side of an interstate that was just a, you know, physiologic board exam disaster. And the attending would look at me and say, really, Rock, you don't have a blood pressure? It's like, uh, really? Give me a grapefruit spoon and dig your eyes out? Are you kidding me? <laughs> right? Because you're spending so much time trying to maintain the physiology and and the art of that is not a, you know, 82 over 50. Oh, they're hypotensive. It's 82 over 50. Mm-hmm. You know, the art is looking at the bigger picture. You're mm-hmm. spot on. So, Ed, I was just thinking about this, and I 
I knew your name was familiar. And then I remembered, I, I stalked you on LinkedIn, by the way. And you were the medical director at Austin Travis County when I was there for my uh, internship uh, back in. No. Yeah, 08. And, uh, was it a we, great experience? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, our okay. introduction yeah, to you was right. very. Yeah. <laughs> then you're right. Yeah. Yep. I think you're right. Yep. I was just trying to think, but yeah, you jogged my memory. Oh my god. Yeah. So I was down there with uh, three other people from our school, and we briefly were introduced to you when we were getting our orientation. And uh, those were fun times. We had a blast. I gotta tell you, I mean the awesome the agency. you know, and it, here's what's interesting about about that whole concept. The we're, we've all been there. We've all been, I've been there. The green, oh my God, this is great. When are we going to get some calls? Hey, look, I'll take Evoc if I can drive that puppy. <laughs> you know, I'm excited to go to the GSW. The larger the motor vehicle crash was, the better. Um, it, getting prepared to go to ship. We've all felt that, that sense of, I love creating order out of chaos, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, the intern or getting in the bright, shiny faces because it renews us. I mean, you see someone like that. It's like such a renewal. It reminds you of, oh, I remember those days. And now, mm-hmm. you know, with EMS, we're in a really tough time. And it's not EMS alone, but trying to recruit into our profession has right. become a challenge. There's, you know, for many reasons. One is the whole workforce challenge, but Two is, you know, I think people look at EMS sometimes and go, uh, 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 you know, that, I mean, hell, look at that pandemic. I don't want to be a part of that stuff. I don't want to put my family at risk. I don't want to be in an active shooter event. Mm-hmm. Uh, just before this podcast, I was reading this sad story about the uh, L.A. firefighter that was shot by a colleague. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've, for such a long time, um, I certainly have felt almost immune to tragedy in EMS. It's like when the three public safety entities go into the scene uh, and, and of course Holly and the one drops in from the air so I have to, we'll do four <laughs> so when when that happens you have this sense of I'm here to help you and you wouldn't dare hurt me mm-hmm. or you know I, I I'm smart I know scene safety I know my PPE I'm not going to get sick mm-hmm. I'm not going to get injured and that's not the case anymore we have to be a lot more thoughtful and cautious and that, uh, that kind of hurts, I think, our recruiting. So, sorry. Sorry to take your great story of how fun it was to be in Austin, no. Travis County. No, and then everybody dies in the end. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. Kaboom. No, that's true. And I feel like, um, you know, we've all been doing this, Dan, you, 30 years? 30 years. 30 years. I'm over 20 years in, and Steve's pretty close behind that. And 15. it started yeah. out a lot of... Um, you know, nothing's changed as far as the calls. They, they're still the same type of calls. Um, but we used to goof off so much oh, and, gosh. like, take the backboards and slide down the – I mean, it, play mm-hmm. Frisbee. I mean, there was a lot of goofing off. And I feel like things have changed in the direction where we're not really allowed to do that anymore. We're being scrutinized by everyone that can see us, the public, our coworkers. We have to always be on professional. And, you know, we make a lot of horrible jokes to cope, I think, with what we mm-hmm. see and do. Um, Chad said on our last podcast that his eyes have seen more than his soul can take. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. so true. And I do feel like we're going in this direction where we, we don't get that to blow off that steam anymore. We just have to be serious all the time and professional. And 
uh, part of this job that we love so much is the goofing off and the camaraderie and the jokes. I feel that's more exhausting than than the calls. It's yeah. trying to walk that line. Mm-hmm. It's super hard. Yeah. You know, you're you're so right. It is such all of my actually all of my professional life that I can remember, but all of my career humor has been such an important part of my own um, existence, my own satisfaction with what I do, my own um, self-defense. I use humor myself personally as a defense mechanism. When I get into a, a circumstance, one of my, <laughs> I don't, Hopefully, hopefully you won't share this with anyone. So let me just tell you my little secret here. But one of the things that, uh, one of the things that, um, in, in my role in EMS, when um, you're in a position to, to respond to tough questions. And in EMS, there are a lot of tough questions, whether it's from a patient, from family, the organization, the public, the community, the news media, those circumstances arise and they expect to be and given an answer that's accurate. And sometimes those questions are hard. And one of the things that I've used as a defense mechanism when someone says, well, that's all well and good, Dr. Rock, but what do you think about, you know, fill in the blank? And I need a minute to compose how I'll communicate that. I'll say, wow, do you have any easier questions? Mm-hmm. And that sense, it de-escalates some of the tension, mostly with me but also with the person who's asking that, who has a little chuckle. It's like, well, yeah, it is a hard question. But then going back and recognizing it and saying, you know, it is a really hard question. And I want to make sure that I answer it appropriately and I communicate what my thought is. So you start that whole thing with humor to give you a little, a little protection and then evolve it to where it needs to be to respond. Mm-hmm. But it, it is such, you're so right, Polly. I mean, the, you know, when the doors close on the ambulance, when you hop back up, when, and the aircraft is in flight and you're just chatting in the headset, that ability to take the pain of what you just saw, what you just went through, what you just took care of, what you perceive maybe you've done as a healthcare provider that wasn't the best that it could have been. And you're second guessing. Humor is such a nice way to say, stand by, let me give you some endorphins, let me reset, and let me remind you there's a big picture here, mm-hmm. and you've got to keep going on. It's, it is such an important tool. Mm-hmm. I can remember times where we've been on some just horrible scenes. Usually there's a death of some sort, and we've got family who's you know dealing with that, that raw grief and we get back in the rig, we're heading home, and someone will just have a perfectly timed joke, about it, not even related to the call, um, or they'll throw a movie line in there. And those moments where you break up the seriousness of what you just had to deal with, with a little bit of the reality check, like, hey, you guys, we got to be ready for the next call. Right. Um, they've been such awesome moments in my career, and... I'm a little bit sketchy about sharing a few of them because they're so inappropriate. But <laughs> oh, yeah. We're right behind you. So great example. We go on this uh, elderly gentleman who we'd known for a while. We'd been helping him, you know, pick him up off the floor and stuff a bunch. And uh, we finally go on that one call where, you know, he was upstairs in a bathroom um, and the wife hadn't, you know, didn't have the energy to go up those stairs anymore. So 
she calls us to go where she thinks help him off the floor while he had, you know, died while he was um, in the bathroom. And we're, we're dealing with, you know, her and her grief and, you know, everything else. Um, but this guy himself was also a very inappropriate old man, right? So he would often crack jokes with us while we were picking him up and, you know, very, very funny dude in general. Well, was this, was this be where I go a chicka bow wow or was it <laughs> no, it, it was, it was more like, uh, old, old, you know, old man, dirty humor, um, you know, cracking jokes. The at the, bow, wow. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so he, um, we get back in the rig. We had called the code. There wasn't anything to do. We found him basically wedged between a wall and the toilet. Like he'd fallen backwards kind of a thing. And Isn't my that le- where they always are? I know. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It's never a it's convenient like gravity is really strong next to the yeah. toilet. It yeah. Pulls you right in. in. And so my lieutenant at the time, <laughs> after he, he, there's a long period of silence because we're all just kind of like, oh man, we just had to help Mrs. So-and-so, you know, deal with that. He goes, hey, you guys know what he was doing, right? And we go, what are you talking about? The patient, you know what he was doing right before he, you know, kicked the can. I go, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. He goes, yeah, he was reaching back for a porno mag and then he, he, he kicked the can and we're like, more silence. <laughs> you did not just say that, Dan. And then all of a sudden, he just fucking erupts wow. in laughter. Like, <laughs> right. it was the most perfectly timed joke and a awesome example of how we just start busting up laughing because, yeah, this dude was super inappropriate, just this dirty old man, and then, you know, that wasn't what he was doing. He just right. made something up, but it was like, oh, my God. And that kind of resets you for the next call. It did. Like it did, because it was like, okay, got to get back in the... And in the sanctity of that room at that moment... It, you guys needed that. If mm-hmm. someone were to hear it from out in the living room, they would have been like, what are those assholes yeah. laughing at? Oh, yeah. They're I mean, laughing at the dead if guy. That, if that clip was on yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, YouTube or whatever. But, and, and you know, the, go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say the important thing about that is you weren't, obviously I wasn't, wasn't there on the call, but you weren't looking at him saying, okay, you old dude, mm-hmm. I'm going to make fun of you and degrade you where you can't respond. You were taking... A situation that was even, you know, and I think all of us EMS, when, when the frequent flyer is finally found dead or when there's someone who has been a challenge in EMS over years and years and years and then they're gone, there's almost this sadness like, you know, I'm not going to miss all the calls that went on, but boy, I got to know you in so many different scenarios and now you're not there anymore. So you're not. You're not, that kind of humor doesn't say, I want to degrade you and you can't respond back. It's, you know what? I'm going to miss you in a little bit of a way and that kind of hurts me. And this is a tough situation. And hey, look, you're kind of a little dirty old man. So (laughs) maybe, maybe, pal, maybe you were reaching back there for that National Geographic one more time, (laughs) you know, to to pull up. Ooh, like in a, in a way that was sort of your memorial to the the guy. You know, right. he, yeah. he probably would have liked that if he yeah. was. Yeah. Oh, he would have been cracking up. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a uh, there was a a uh, uh, a colleague of mine in the Austin Fire Department, Phil. I'll leave his name off there for you know legal reasons. Often not available in stores. Void were prohibited by law. <laughs> Objects and mirror closer than they appear. But um, we were late one night. Um, there's two really fascinating Phil stories. Late one night, we responded on the interstate, probably two in the morning, on the interstate. The interstate was under construction, and some 
drunk gentleman decided that he was going to get on the construction of the overpass um, uh, part of the interstate and fly because he thought he could get around the traffic below. It was an overpass being constructed and the construction DOT had parked a bulldozer at the top of um, where the overpass was being constructed because if you went further, you'd drop down. So it was incomplete. So the blade of the bulldozer was facing oh, the no. direction this guy was coming. He was flying. He hit the bulldozer. By the way, just as an aside, a little mechanism of injury CE here. The bulldozer maybe moved 1.3 centimeters, maybe. Um, but he obviously didn't survive the event. And it was a pretty nasty scene. The, the car was crushed. He was trapped in the car. And all of us kind of looked like, Ugh, you know, it's like it's that one minute that we always talk about in EMS, that one minute, that one decision, the, mm-hmm. the 16 seconds of the traffic light that made the difference between you know, catastrophe and, and a nothing event. So, Phil, we're all kind of quiet doing what we needed to do. And Phil comes over and grabs me and he says, Doc. I said, yeah, Phil. He said, you know what? I got to show you something. Finally, finally, we have proof. And I said, what? And we walked over to the car. And in the car was this poor gentleman. He had expired. And there's no one else around except for public safety, obviously. To your point, this never works for the outside right. world because they don't understand the the context of it. And Phil walks up and he says, come here. And he says, move your, uh, so we all didn't know what it was going to be, so we're in turnouts and helmets. And he says, here, move this. And he kind of leans in. We struggle leaning in the vehicle and he, he touches the guy's front pocket. And he points, and there's a pack of cigarettes in the guy's front pocket. And he says, see, Doc? Smoking kills. <laughs> and, and I remember that moment because it took the pain, the sense of what we all do in EMS. We go back and say, I can't even imagine. And all of those calls where we say, I just hope to God it was quick. Mm-hmm. I hope they were unconscious first. It, that compassion for humans it took it and and just totally changed it mm-hmm. so now this is the same guy sorry, sorry the ramble here no um, which is more fun than procrastinating procrastinating is actually the funnest thing to do in life rambling is really is probably, yeah yeah <laughs> i am too so um so another night i'm out on the interstate of course and there's uh it's like a multi-engine response, some car crash, and everyone's cleaning up. And I look over, and one of my colleagues has standard um, awesome car department nightshirt on, and on the back it's got you know the standard cross, and it says awesome fire department. Um, I forget which engine it was, you know, engine six, um, reg ops, R E G dash O P S, and underneath it has ninety slash one zero. And I looked for a minute and, you know, all of us in EMS love looking at that kind of stuff. It's like, hey, what's your vehicle look like? What's your uniform look like? Let me see your badge. Is that, are those LED lights or strobes? What do you got there? So <laughs> is that a cue? You have an electronic cue? Wow. Two sirens or one? So we look at that stuff, right? And I looked at that shirt and finally I said, what the hell is that shirt? <laughs> and the guy turns around and he says, oh, pretty simple, Doc. He goes, engine six, regular operations. 
90% of the work, 10% of the glory. <laughs> so, <laughs> so to the outside world, they'd look and say, our department, thank goodness they're here. And it looked very official. Right. But to them, it was a way of saying, hey, spec up. <laughs> here you go. That's Here's awesome. a little finger for you on the interstate <laughs> in the middle of the night. That was hilarious. That's right. Uh, oh, my gosh. So I guess the thing that I keep coming back to with all this is that humor does have a healthy role in mental health in, you know, helping us specifically in, you know, first responders, EMS, uh, you know, anyone in the medical field really deal with the, the nastiness that they're confronted with. But what, what are some words of wisdom, I guess, or, or what advice would you give people when it comes to timing on this kind of stuff? Cause and think, I mean, of, think of the young person because a lot of young right. people listen to, to this podcast. So they're brand new in the business. They, yeah, might, so, they, uh, might, they might be so new that they're, you know, they're a little offended themselves oh, when they absolutely. see and hear some of this stuff. Oh, you know? yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have any user questions? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so so uh, I'm so glad you brought that topic up because I, I've learned in my career and I have many, many, many scars from humor that's gone exactly the direction I didn't want it to go. And one of the things that's become very important to me is understanding the line. I mean, if, if you forget everything in this entire podcast about humor and application and utilization, appropriate, inappropriate, if imagine, imagine there was a PowerPoint slide and that PowerPoint slide had a black background and it just had a single line across the slide. That single line is so important because the closer you are to being inappropriate, i.e., you know, he was reaching over the back side of the bed for a porn magazine. The closer you are, the funnier it is. Imagine that same scenario, and you said, "Yeah, he was reaching across the bed. He just he just got People magazine. Was trying to get it. Zero humor, right? Right. Zero. Well, you know, the latest issue of Dog Showers today was just there. <laughs> a little bit more funny, right? Because it's like. You want to die over a dog showers magazine, but then you go to porn. It's like, Oh my God, are you kidding? You sick puppy. Right. So in that particular scenario, you're standing beautifully, firmly right on the line, but there are all sorts of ways. And you know, podcast laws won't allow me to say it, but there are all sorts of ways you could have taken that and turned it into something that would have still used the porn magazine but it would no longer be funny. And they would look at you and say, you know what? That was kind of crude. That mm-hmm. uh, was kind of nasty. So one of the things that's, that's so important in humor is to know, A, who your audience is and know who your audience is. I mean, know them. Even if you've never met them, if you're in a church group and talking about, you know, what EMS and the fire department can do for your community, and how you deal with stress, you wouldn't use that analogy or that situation. 100%. If you're on this podcast or in an EMS development or professional development class, you'd absolutely use that. So knowing who is going to hear or witness your humor is so important, even when you don't know the people. Knowing whether someone might be sensitive, maybe it has a 
sexual connotation. It has a gender connotation. It has a racial connotation. It has an, a socioeconomic status connotation. It has a volunteer versus career connotation. Mm-hmm. It's so important. And, and I think knowing, knowing the audience, A, is important, but B, knowing that there are some things that work almost all the time to create laughter and some that almost never work. One of the things that almost always works and, and humor academicians, wouldn't that be a cool profession to be in? I don't know if it pays very good. Hey, what do you do? Well, I'm a humor therapist. Well, good for you. <laughs> yeah, um, but one of the things that, that the, the humor academicians have always recognized as the most powerful um, uh, category of humor is self-deprecating humor. When I say something that it, it almost always works, it's about yourself because it says you take a little risk in this funny too, right? So it's, it is one of those scenarios that when you're looking at the line is a little bit safer. The other end of that line is if you laugh, if you think about you're in a group and if only one of you laughs or only a couple of you laugh, you blew it. You're on the wrong side of the line because in that, scenario, it may actually be an insult. It may hurt someone else. Because remember, it has to be kind of close to being, well, that's just crazy. Um, but but it can't be too far over. So understanding that, and, and for young people, um, A, I hope, matter of fact, if we were to call my three kids right now on the phone, and we probably shouldn't because it's almost noon, so they they just got to sleep a little bit ago. <laughs> um, plus, they wouldn't know how to answer the phone. It's like, it's ringing. It's making a rain noise. Let's, I don't know. Text people and see if someone knows what that phone's doing. But if you were to call them and say, hey, Harrison, Brandon Taylor, what's the most important thing in life? I hope what they would all tell you, independent of me, is have fun. Because that sense of humor to young people getting into the profession this is so hard sometimes. Flip side of that is it is so rewarding sometimes. Mm-hmm. And to navigate through when it's hard, when you're disappointed, and this was a blast, look what I did, even simple things, for crying out loud, reversing hypoglycemia, digging a big chunk of wax out of someone's ear, simple things in medicine <laughs> where you go, yes, that works really, really well. So, that sense of humor is so important. And sometimes practicing on people that, that you are uh, entrusted, that they trust you, you know, they would tell you. And by the way, you don't say, okay, all right, all right, stand, feet, Holly, okay, all right, hang on. I'm going to try this on you, okay? Hang on. Okay, this is, I just, I think this is the coolest joke. It's like, forget it. I just blew it. I just wrapped the Tiffany ring in saran wrap and foil, right? It's like, that is not going to work. So using folks that you trust to try humor on, and you start to get a sense of what people laugh at when you uh, create that perspective and what they don't or what they're kind of like, okay, so wait a minute. So the rabbi said that in the bar or did the pre... Hang on, I'm... I'm, Right? So... You know, I, I think um, don't be afraid of humor um, around people that you trust, who know you and your intent, 
but be extremely cautious. Look at where you are on that line with people who don't necessarily know you or don't know you, and you want to use humor. I will never, ever, ever, ever forget when I was in the emergency department at MCV, uh, our crash bay had two, uh, in one room, had two beds at the time separated by a curtain. And um, there was an older woman in the second bed um, going somewhere. I don't remember exactly where. Um, so uh, the other bed brought in a cardiac rest. We continued resuscitation. We're unsuccessful. And all of you probably remember the um, the sense of uh, you know you 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 look at a scenario like that you're done and you talk and you talk about things unrelated to someone who just lost their life in front of you mm-hmm. and sometimes you laugh and we were laughing about something I don't even remember what it was it was unrelated it wasn't ha 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 man, you're dead and you're in our emergency department. You can't do anything. Absolutely not. We were done. We walked out. I was sitting in the fishbowl and the nurse, Teresa, I remember the nurse came up and she said, Hey, Ed, the lady in, in code room two wants to see all of you. And I thought, wow. And here's where my arrogance was at the time. I thought, you know what? This is going to be nice. Why would a woman call all of us? back in the room. She's probably going to say, okay, you heroes, thank you for everything you tried to do for that lady. And we walked in there, (laughs) walked in and she said, I just want to look in the eyes of all of you who laughed when that woman died. And I got to tell you, talk about sending your spleen out through your colon and just contracting into nothing. It's like, oh, Ma'am, I am so, so sorry. No, no, we didn't do that. So we, we could never make that up. We could right. never convince that poor woman that we weren't laughing. We had, we had crossed the line without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. And we'd sent the message that we didn't give a crap about human life or patience or this older woman. And to this day, if she's still alive, that woman probably thinks, I, I just don't trust healthcare. They don't give two hoots about you, mm. especially when you need it the most. So, so it's really you, important. How do you recover from something like that? Let's say, you know, you, I've stepped on my dick many times and I don't know, usually it's a You group. must have a really curved spine. <laughs> yeah, what Holly says, you, you have like a 90 degree angle spine. I don't think we've seen that. You're a board exam question. <laughs> Oh my God, I'm oh, crying. I don't even know what I was asking oh. now. Uh, how do yeah. you recover? I have this how, amazing how mental picture of what he's talking about. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know the answer to that because it is so hard to Subjective. try and, you know, hey, I didn't mean what I said. Then why did you say it? I mean, look in, mm-hmm. in national politics. Well, that's not exactly what I meant. Yeah. It is what we did. And I sometimes I believe in circumstances like that. You start with, um, because you've got to, you've got to re-earn some degree. It's not even respect at that point anymore. It's not credibility. It is, you need to earn from that patient that they understand that what you did wasn't what they initially thought. And that's probably the best you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to say, 
you know, I, and, and I don't even remember what we did in that circumstance. I was young in my career, but if that were to happen today, I would probably go back in myself. I would probably take a stool because there's important messages in how you do things. I would pull it up to the side of the bed and I would say, Mrs. Johnson, can I talk to you for a few minutes? And she would either say, get the heck out of here or sure, I'm not going to listen to anything you say. And I would probably grab her arm, everything infectious disease and HR people tell us not to do. And I would probably say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what happened. And I understand what you may have heard. And I'm not going to tell you why we did it. I'm not going to tell you that it wasn't related. What I will tell you is that I promise you, none of us, none of us directed any of that laughter to another human being. And whether you believe us or not is your, it's your business. But I want you to know it from personally, from me, and I know from my team that what you said helps us look at what we did. It hurts. It stings. We spend all this time trying to make people's lives better. And that reminder was very important for us. So I'm sorry. And I want you to know that. That's probably what I do today, whether it was successful. See, years of marriage counseling gave me something. Anyway, I don't know if it actually helped the relationship. But, you know, it's hard because... You know, you, you're trying to earn something back when someone's like, you're scummy. Right. And the thing about it was that it was so organic for you guys to start making a joke or laugh or so, somehow break that tension. Yeah. Because that's the only way we can really cope with it. If we get in the moment so caught up in this trauma patient as someone's dad, husband, Oh, yeah. um, brother, then you can't do your job. You have to separate it. And I think going back around to laugh and kind of bring yourself back online, it's just this intrinsic thing that we have without knowing we're doing it. It's, it's, I think it's a way of cleansing your brain. Right. And well, people always say, well, I, I just could never do that. How do you guys, how do you do that? How, how and it, 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 they might not like the real answer. It, it's, there is a separation and it's not to say that things don't get to us, but I feel like what Ed's getting to is humor in EMS is really like its own language. We, you know, he talks about learning what is correct humor and what is not and where that line is and who you should be saying things around and knowing your audience. And that really comes down That's to knowing really the language. That's a really good you know? description. Yeah. That's well, I mean, really I'm just repeating what you said. I'm just calling no, but I, no, I, I like that because, you know, again, our humor academicians would tell us that humor is not a uh, single person sport, right? So all of us sure. have been somewhere. I mean, it's usually in an uncomfortable spot, right? You're on a plane, you're watching something, you got the headphones in, you start laughing, everyone around you like, what's wrong with that weirdo? You know, honey, don't, don't go near 5C. I don't know what it's, what's wrong with them, but don't get near them. <laughs> or if you think about something out of nowhere and you start laughing, but no one else is. It's like, uh, oh man, the guy's hearing voices, steer clear. Um, or if you're in an environment where there are a lot of people and something comes up and one person laughs, what happens? One person like, are you? <laughs> that's, like, that's like hilarious. Hilarious, right? <laughs> it's like, oh crap. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh-oh, I missed it. So 
humor, and the academicians would tell us humor is is a social event. Humor connects people. So when you and your team and the gentleman that you run on a million times who arrested upstairs between the bed mm-hmm. where they always do. I, and by the way, Holly, I think you're right. I think there's some kind of, you know, when you finally do it. Yeah. There's something that gravitational pull and it pulls your airway, whatever's closest to your airway, pulls your airway into an area that's unaccessible. That always <laughs> to happen. So, but in, in that scenario, when all of you were laughing, you socialized, you connected on something that someone else would have come in and said, I don't know what you're laughing, but for your team, for you together, you connected. So there was a story um, uh, in, an, in an organization um, where one of the flight paramedics uh, died. He had a, uh, ended up with a weird, weird liquid tumor, a blood tumor, and good guy. Um, he passed away. He was cremated, and his desires were that his ashes be spread out over this gorgeous lake area, much like, by the way, um, Coeur Lane, which is probably one of the most beautiful places I've been to in many gazillion years. Um, but one of the things that he wanted was to have his ashes spread. So they cleaned the medical equipment out of, at the time, it was a 412, L-412, East helicopter. Um, they had a public safety chaplain. They put as many folks as was safe into the aircraft. They had his ashes. Um, you guys probably already know where this is going. I, do, I think. Yep. Yep, you <laughs> already know where it's going. And they wanted to um, essentially give him his wish. It was a sad time. So both of the doors of the aircraft were open. They were hovering. The public safety chaplain said a few words and the urn one of their colleagues had the urn to distribute some of his ashes over the lake as soon as they started to pour the rotor wash brought all of the ashes right smack dab back into the patient compartment the pilot was on as everyone was on the headset and simply said welcome back <laughs> and, and you know, for for their colleagues, you know, if you believe that I'm one of those that does, if you believe that, you know, in some form or fashion, our departed family members, loved ones have some glimpse, then he looked at that and said, that is even better than had I gone, you know, to the most beautiful part of the lake. That was classic, right? Oh, man, and and awesome. would probably look and say, I hope that some of me got in the eyes of Frank. Because you yeah. know what, Frank, you were a pain in the ass, and I hope it's itchy. Uh, <laughs> right? So, so uh, it, it is, it's a social event, and it, it brings people together because you can laugh. It is, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, there is laughter, a component of laughter that's very uncontrollable, and the best example is, you know, in church when you're little, it's like mm-hmm. you and your sister. I remember my sister and I, and my sister would start, she starts shaking a little bit and not even knowing what the heck are you laughing about? It's like, Betsy, Betsy, what are you doing? She's shaking a little bit. And then I'd start to laugh a little bit. It's like, oh my God, we're in church. Oh, oh. And it was like this uncontrollable physiologic laughter. So, it, you know, as opposed to some other emotions, 
Well, laughter does have a an uncontrollable part of it. And, you know, you look at that and there's a reason for that. It's, you know, all the things with humor, it lowers blood pressure, it releases endorphins. And the big picture, laughter is really a healthy a healthy component of our living. There are some people that feel like, you know, just like your diet, your exercise, that the amount of laughter that you have, because it represents the, the condition uh, that you're in, people love to laugh, mm-hmm. really is uh, another indicator of uh, longevity. So, Ed, one thing that I've been thinking about as you've been talking is when I'm at work, I've done it, and I know a lot of the coworkers I have have done it as well. There's times when, you know, you pick the job, right? You have something you're all going through and, you know, call it the the crap, the shit, the whatever, that just sucks, and you have to get through it because the call dictates it or management dictates it or whatever. And humor in those moments when you're tired, you're exhausted, you have no energy, and you still have, you know, an hour or two worth of work left, um, has been an awesome motivator in a lot of ways to get through the crap together. Oh yeah. And, you know, Dan, I know being in the firehouse when we're, you know, three in the morning and you're overhauling a building that, you know, it is so frustrating to have to spend as much time as we do looking for, you know, little hot pockets somewhere in the, you know, in the ceiling or whatever. And, the people who can put a really well-timed joke or like someone who pulls out their phone and just turns on music while we're, you know, yeah. doing this kind of thing, it, it's so awesome. And it, it re- rejuvenates you. It does. Yep. It does. It gives you that next little push that you need to finish yep. the job. I can, I can finish this now. Yeah. Cause now we're all laughing yep. together. Yep. We're all, you know, we felt like we were all individuals just kind of trudging along, but now like, nope, team mentality is back. And. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've it's loved refreshing. those. It's it like is. a refueling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. And that's, yeah. it's a type of humor that I don't think a lot of people get to have in their life because they don't yeah. know what that team mentality is. And it's found really in like, like the, the dumbest things too. It is. I, oh, I remember yes. having a horrible call beginning of my career. I'll never forget every single detail. And it was a, someone had broken to a house and beat someone to death and nearly <laughs> killed a child it was horrible and there was blood everywhere like you know csi mm-hmm. and after the call we went to go get lunch because that's what you do after a call like that right. and we were standing in line and i remember them asking if we wanted ketchup and my partner and i both looked at each other and we laughed for the entire day about <laughs> yeah. that and it it wasn't funny at all but and the lady at the counter thought we wow, were insane really don't know but that like little just like taking you over the edge. I mean, I think that was our saving grace for the rest of the day. We just laughed hysterically about that stupid question as, do you want ketchup? Yeah. You know, and I know. And it, it, even in replaying some of these things, I feel like because it's so specific to the moment, even, you know, you can't really get it again, no. you know, yeah. unless you were there and you experienced it. And so, you know, that's why I feel like when we replay them with family, they kind of look at you it's like, what the f- it's not what even worth you, it. <laughs> why is that funny to yeah. you? Yeah. Like, why are you really, is that, are you okay? Like, that's really kind of messed up. Right. And, <laughs> it's, you know, you come back to checking your audience like Ed's talking about. And you know, so, I, 
just one more oh, thing, ahead. sir. I was just thinking about when you said uh, humor's a team, like a team sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I work in a pretty big firehouse with like 10 people, and our safe word is peaches. And so when we start crossing that line, and that line varies minute by minute, day by day, who's ever in that station. And if it gets close, someone will say, oh, could you hand me the peaches? And so they're keeping us in check because they know that we're talking about someone's dead mom. That's the next thing that's coming out of someone's mouth. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. And so just, you know, be... That's you, not a bad idea. No. It, yeah. it works. Yeah, I like having a safe word. I'm going to yeah. add that. That's yeah. a good one. It's, a real it's good almost one. like pointing and saying, hey, look, you're getting close to the line. Don't right. trip mm-hmm. over it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and it's I a good reminder. Tripping hey, check over yourself. it is how we learn um, yeah. yes, how far we do. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we do. Learn and we all have those. And and when you think about it, it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. Yes. I can't believe I got away with that. Right. Yeah. Or I can't believe I'm not dead as a result of that. So I, this is Holly and I experienced this um, a couple of months ago. One of, to your point of, you know, something that's so subtle that the outside world really doesn't know. So one of our colleagues, uh, excellent educator, Jeff Fulkerson, firefighter, tells us a story. We're all around at a little social gathering and he said, he said, you know, one of my uh, captains, we were, uh, eating the very soft spoken. We were eating at the uh, firehouse. He just looks over and he said, "You know what? You ever notice anything? The only thing a male porn star ever says is oh yeah.'" <laughs> and he thought, he thought that's the weirdest damn thing on the planet. Didn't think anything else of it. So then they're out at some traffic crash somewhere, and this guy walks past Jeff and I'm probably butchering the story, but he walks past and he goes, Oh yeah. <laughs> and then he starts to realize, Oh crap. So the final part of the story is they're in a credit arrest and resuscitation efforts are undergoing. And, and this guy's doing chest compressions and they're getting ready to trade out and everybody's of course sweating and, doing everything they can aggressively, and he just looks up at Jess and goes, oh, yeah. (laughs) But there's this scenario, you know, you set the stage weeks before, Uh and then all of a sudden it comes out again, and it's like, oh, there's that. It's that little injection. Yeah, it's that injection (laughs) saying, you know what, you're doing is hard. Reframe that. It's tough. <laughs> um, I'm so, so glad you said that. I was like, yeah, how far yeah, are we going like, today? <laughs> yeah, HR. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's very, very, very powerful to use, use humor to rescue the, those very uncomfortable and, and over time, mm-hmm. right? We know this over time, even small, little events. Little calls, little concerns, little you know, second guesses over time, over and over and over again. Those are the paper cuts, right? A thousand mm-hmm. paper cuts mm-hmm. until one day it bleeds. And, you know, to have humor to rescue us is such a gift. It's 100%. such an important part of who we are. And I love your, your analogy. It's our, it's an EMS language. And because it is, it pulls us together when we most need to be together. Yeah. We always say that we're just a, like a special kind of screwed up. Yes. And that's a nice way to yeah. say it. Yes. Um, and 
it, it is our language. It is why we sit around the table and talk about horrible things and laugh about it is because it, it keeps us going to the next one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Ed, I'm going to, we've hit our, right at our time limit. So I'm going to do a little sign off, but then we'll keep you on and chit chat with you a little bit more. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, guys, we've hit our, our limit on this episode, but man, this was a blast it was. talking with you, Ed. And, um, I loved all the stories and I, I feel like I've always had an idea that humor in EMS is kind of its own thing, but like, I feel like I've given it this healthier framework and space to <laughs> live now. Yeah. Like permission and just a, a better spot for it to exist in my brain when I pull it up, you know, to crack that next joke. But, um, Ed, I just wanted to say thank you for, um, coming on the, uh, the show today and chatting with us. It's been awesome. I love hearing your perspective and your, um, you know, what you've dealt with in this field and, um, how you've gotten through it. And so, yeah, thank you so much. That's a privilege. I appreciate you all asking me to, to join you, especially a topic like this, even just talking about it kind of puts a little bounce in my step for the day because it does remind you how, uh, how valuable it is and how fortunate we are to have humor. And also, you know, like anything, use it responsibly, right? Do what, uh, do what we need to do to make sure that um, everybody benefits from it mm-hmm. or certainly the most we can get. So I appreciate you all a ton. I appreciate the discussion and love catching up and uh, back to the grind. We all go, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's it. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Thanks guys. And uh, Thank you. we'll catch you on the next one.